Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Colin Podcast. I'm your host Ronat, and today we have our co-host Ratish. Yeah. What's up, bro? And today we're going to be shedding some light on a very crucial topic. And this is a topic which is often mis- misrepresented and misled. And furthermore, it's tabooed in society. So since we have a very limited amount of knowledge in this topic, to shed some light on this very crucial topic, we have, we have a special guest that we invited to the show. Her name is Minoli Akanayaka. So, hey, Minoli, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have you. And and she's a final year medical student based in Sri Lanka, and she's one of the co-founders of the Coping Club initiative. So Minoli, what is the Coping Club? Um, So the Coping Club is actually um, an initiative that we started during the pandemic to reassure ourselves that we're in this together, in this crisis together, emotionally and mentally. And uh, it was started by some of my friends and I, and uh, we talk about subjects related to mental health, about nutrition and general well-being. So that's the Coping Club in a nutshell. That's the Coping Club. And it's, a, it's a fantastic initiative. We hope you guys are able to continue this in the future itself, because I feel like the public community, our friends would really benefit from this initiative as well. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. And if you guys check out our recent podcast, which was done, which was done with another member of the coping club, her name is Dami, and she was the the PhD student. We talked about mental health. So this is the f- second time we're doing a collab with the coping club. They have really helped us uh, grow our our podcast. So thank you for a huge thank you to all the members of the coping club, and we can't wait for more collabs in the future. Absolutely, for sure. Absolutely. I really enjoyed, especially the one with Dami. And I really hope we can enjoy this one too. But, you know, this is going to be a bit of a, you know, how should I say? A serious lot more topic. related to biology. Biology, course, very yes. serious topic. So, but no, we'll enjoy this one. But it was worry. actually really nice that um, you two young lads, you know, were interested in talking about the menstrual cycle, which is uh, predominantly something related to females. But, um, it's really nice that you were curious in a good way and you wanted to shed some light on the platform. Yeah, like we wanted to know about this because a lot of, a lot of time we haven't known the correct knowledge about it. And I, right, feel, like, right. I, feel, I feel like one day we're going to get married, right? Ho- hopefully if we are, you know, heterosexual, like we're going to get married to women. I feel like we're going we're gonna to need to know something sooner exactly, or later. Exactly. Yes, heterosexual or not like it's always it's yeah. always good to know about it's always good to know about the opposite gender and exactly. the ways on how you can respect like, them and like help them in whatever problem they have you could be a mother you could be a sister you could be a wife oh, yeah. you could be a daughter you yeah. don't have to be heterosexual Absolutely. i'm sorry <laughs> no no that's perfectly fine that's perfectly fine actually uh so okay so Minoli, could you explain how the menstrual cycle actually works and the science biology behind it in simple terms. Yep, sure. So in a, I'm going to explain in a very watered down and simplified way. So if there are any questions that you guys want to ask at any point, you can just feel free to like stop me and I'll clarify. Yeah, sure, sure. All right? That's totally All right. Yeah. So when, when a female reaches um, adolescence, when they reach puberty, 
the body goes through a lot of changes and the reproductive system will also go through a lot of changes to bring about what we call secondary sexual characteristics. And these characteristics will aid in reproduction to give rise to childbirth. So now the menstrual cycle is a continuous monthly cycle that will happen roughly every 28 to 35 days until what we call menopause, which is the end of menstruation. And this will continue almost in a monthly cycle, except during pregnancy. And roughly each menstrual cycle will, um, each menstrual phase will last about five days on average. It can, be, it can be fewer, it can be more, depending from one woman to another. So now when we talk about the menstrual cycle, we are mainly be focusing on two main organs, the ovary, the ovaries and the uterus. So now the ovaries are these little organs, there are two, of, there are two ovaries in a body, and each will hold millions of little sacs that we call follicles. Now each follicle will have an egg inside it. And it is one egg and one sperm that will fuse together to form a zygote that will eventually become the baby when the cells multiply. So every month there'll be a complex area of uh, hormones that come together and work and cause millions of follicles to mature. Eventually one of them will mature enough to release an egg. And uh, the hormones will come about such that um, the uterus which is the second organ that I was talking about, will become thicker over the month. And then eventually, when the levels of certain hormones start to fall, the outermost layer of the uterus will be shed off. And it is this shedding off of the outermost layer of the uterus that will present as the menstrual blood. So the first time a woman bleeds um, during menstruation, we call it menarche. And uh, it's basically, that, that is basically the science behind it. That's how it happens. So if you really think about the biology behind it and think about some of the misconceptions associated with menstruation, such as it being impure blood or dirty blood, uh, which is a popular misconception in, in South Asian communities, I would say. Yeah. So Exactly. So once you learn about the biology, you, you really start to think, okay, what is so impure about this? Because it's, it's actually supposed to give rise to something very beautiful, that is childbirth. Exactly. Or, and, and, and menstruation is just um, the shedding of the outermost layer when childbirth does not occur. And then at the end of the cycle, you just have another cycle, which will give rise to another potential egg that can potentially lead to um, uh, what can be a zygote and eventually a child. Absolutely. So that was a very, yeah, uh, yeah, much there. Uh, no, I was going to, I was going to talk about uh, how uh, there'll be problems, like not, not oh, everyone yeah. will have any. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you about that actually. Yeah. I was going to ask that actually. Well, one thing of course is that, um, it's it's a different experience for each woman, right? It's, it, it differs from one person to another. So it's it's always nice if you can talk about it, like freely, like even even you guys as uh, young lads, like you know, you can freely engage in conversations and educate yeah. yourself, and um, be a part of like you know society by helping each other and whatnot. Um, 
one uh, like for instance one main problem one big problem that uh, women can have is um, a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome which is one condition among so many other where they have problems with their hormone levels and it can lead to like difficulties in their health their fertility and their menstrual cycles and so it's nice to like engage in these conversations and make yourself more aware and so if you know someone like whether it's a family a friend a girlfriend daughter whoever you know you can um, come closer to understanding them and find ways of helping them when they're going through the menstrual cycle even if it's something as simple as offering them a sanitary napkin if they don't have one so how do women feel about it like normally um i guess it's a very personal experience like um for instance i know a lot of women have uh, it's a, it's not a very comfortable um time like you know when you're when you're going through your menstrual cycle um especially when you're menstruating like there's a lot of pain and stuff so some people take painkillers and um but for some it's it's really uh, like they barely feel a thing so like i said it's a very uh, it differs from person to person but i think one thing that that annoys me personally um is is how like especially in south asian communities you know when when you when you get your period as you call it like you know people always like uh, they hide their pads and like they slowly walk to the to the bathroom to like uh, do a change and all but i really don't see the need to hide something like that because exactly, exactly. it's when, nothing uh, bad exactly so when they buy pads so they pack that up you know with a huge cover and yeah. all that happens right that's with a I, huge yeah, bag yeah exactly that's the whole why do they do part? that yeah. there's no taboo that's part. the whole taboo part. that's no need to do that because since it's a very normal problem right it's a basic problem for mm-hmm. women it's something that all animals i feel like all mammals go through and it's something that has been going on for centuries since the evolution of human kind so why is it so there's not yeah, right. exactly it. i think i think um i think the answer lies like um so most of these cultural um taboos i would say are something that has been embedded in society in south asian culture for so many generations you know um like i mentioned one where some like communities think think of it as impure blood and um it's also the progression of a of a girl to a woman and 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 i know in sri lankan culture we have a huge like uh, tradition where you know there's like a huge party and like there are things that you can do and cannot do um for like a certain period of time like there like these rituals and things which is um very over dramatized i would say um so i guess because we make such a big deal of it like it seems like something very strange not just to men but even women who grew up part of this culture absolutely so i think when we were discussing about this earlier i think i mentioned about my sister so when my sister went through the same the same uh, menstrual cycle when she started actually so i was not allowed mm-hmm. to see her for an entire week and me and my uh, yeah. dad so I, was, i was sleeping with my uh, dad in in his in my parents room and my mom and my sister they were in the other room i guess something like that so me and my sister we didn't have any idea what was going on so later my parents kind of mm-hmm. introduced it so i feel like the lack of uh, education at the same time well, why right. are these cultural things happening so that i feel like that's the whole conversation 
behind it, I feel like. There are so many beliefs about like... it, man. Yes, you were saying. There are so many beliefs about it, you know. Uh, cultural beliefs. Like, and, and like, people don't know, exactly. People don't know gonna, what do you say. Like, men are not about to see the women and all. Not so, allowed to see, right, and yeah. they're not allowed to go to school. I guess I think my sister didn't go to school. I think many other. They're not allowed to go anywhere ex- exactly except their home. That's it. She's very. I feel like, uh, and uh, I think Minoli mentioned earlier. Um, did you mention about the metal thing that they're supposed to like sleep with the metal? Oh yeah, like like warding off demons and like various <laughs> cultural rituals and 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 I beliefs and. Yeah, I feel like some of these like uh, beliefs, like uh, I feel like they shouldn't be held. So, like personally, I I'm not very I don't follow these very deeply. But like there are people who do, and that's perfectly fine. But yes. I think one thing that I would like like to see is uh, is teachers and parents freely engaging in conversations about menstruation, about sex, and um and and how to protect yourself. Um, before the like somewhere before the age of puberty, so that once they do reach puberty, they know what to expect and they know not to be afraid of it and they know what to do to be safe. So that children should that. be educated about it as well as like parents. Be, parents should feel about it, talk about it also, not Absolutely. consider right. it as an exactly. I think that's a very pivotal like point. One reason why they may be um, unwilling to talk about it or shy to talk about it is because um, menstruation is just one part of reproduction, right? Like at the end of the day, it's something to do with um, sexual characteristics and what will bring about like um, a child and childbirth and everything. And I feel like a lot of um, parents in South Asian communities, like, since um, talking about like sex and everything isn't a very open topic and Completely. there are lots of there's a lot of taboo associated with it i feel like they don't they feel a bit shy to engage in conversations like this and it's sad that like you know because i know a lot of people who um who had their first period at um very young ages like i would say even as as young as nine i would say and and, oh, and it's a very and it's a very scary experience when you don't know what's happening, right? Because exactly. you're seeing blood for the first time and, and you panic. Um, so why does it, why, yes, you see. Why does menstruation happen in a young age? Why does that happen? Oh, that those are like completely biological factors. Like, um, like in fact, now like it's actually more common to see it happening at like younger ages. But like. Um, those are it's very difficult to explain in a simple way but that depends from like it differs from person to person and it's uh, their genetics involved the environmental factors involved and Almost, it's a combination yeah. of these two that will decide um, the age of um, onset of um, menstruation menstruation okay, okay, okay. yeah so and molly you, you put that really beautifully sorry if i cut you off earlier uh, when you were about to explain the misconception oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah so so yeah, I, had, I absolutely have no questions. I think you explained it really well. So I think, uh, did we miss out anything uh, with the whole biological aspect of it? Especially to do with pregnancy? I don't think so. Do you guys have anything to clarify? <laughs> uh, not really, I think. I think you covered that beautifully. Biological background. Biological Biological background. Just so perfect. It was perfect. And, well, um, I, can, I can add a few more things. For instance, um, th- there is... Have you guys heard of uh, PMS? 
I was about to ask that. The term yeah. PMS. So PMS. it's premenstrual syndrome, right? Um, and there is a misconception associated by, uh, held very strongly by uh, a lot of uh, um, men where they think that it is something that's of make-believe. Like okay. something that's a little exaggerated, but it's actually not. It is. It is very recognized as um, by psychiatrists, by psychologists, and it's basically brought about like the the changes in hormones, which can affect the thinking, your emotions, and it's completely biological. And there's a lot of science behind it. It's not something that's make believe, but I suppose it, it's nice if people get to accept it for what it is, because. Um, uh, you know, no one likes to be told, oh, you're just exaggerating, you know, it's it's not that bad. Because I feel like for someone who doesn't experience it, you know, it, it's it's one thing it's one thing not to not to want to like hear the other person's story. It's another yeah. thing to just cut off and neglect it completely. Yeah, absolutely. So I so I think we're following a very similar or how do you say um correlation. It's it's all um, shunning and misconceptions, lack of resources, education, especially in Southeast Asian countries. So in many mm-hmm. Southeast Asian countries, uh, they have a topic or subject called health, but I'm not sure if they cover these things properly or at a young enough age. So I feel like those things. Yeah, should be- I think, um, yeah, I think there is a subject called health sciences. I, I believe health where science, they yeah. talk about the reproductive system and uh, they touch up on a lot of these things. It would be nice, however, if um, there was a uniform curriculum for both private and government you know, uh, schools um, implemented at a certain um, exactly. Then age a certain standard. Talk, exactly. exactly, like a standardized curriculum. Um, so, so no matter where you school, you would get the same amount of knowledge. And exactly. it would be nice if they also like um, mention. Um, ways on like protecting yourself uh, like like safe sex methods for instance and who to seek when you want to seek help where to seek help you know like doctors and like um, psychologists and like um, you know like healthcare service providers because it's always nice to educate youngsters on on where to go when they need help Absolutely. Even post, even if something were to happen after they were engaged in intercourse. So let's say if they want to have an abortion or if they want to, you know, if they want some sort of psychological uh, help uh, being a mother. So I feel like in, uh, I feel like in Sri Lanka, abortion is illegal. And obviously the education and resources behind it is very complicated mm-hmm. as well, which we'll co- cover in a different episode. Um, it's abortion. Yeah. It's illegal it, it in Sri Lanka. Is, it is. It is illegal in Sri Lanka. Yes, but so like, uh, I think I think one thing we can work towards as a community is to strengthen the relationship that parents have with children, and the absolutely. relationship that healthcare service providers will have with both parents and children. And I think absolutely. if you have trust in all three areas, then a lot of problems associated with these personal issues um, would be a lot easier to address. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like uh, maybe maybe not in this generation, but I feel like if they do, well, if they were to change the whole health science thing, like I mentioned earlier, if they were to kind of incorporate mm-hmm. the conversation and maybe discover new areas or maybe a new method of delivery uh, in a way which is really normalized and 
in a way which which is like safely covered i guess how do, how do i say it like right. talk like talking about it is, is a normal definitely, thing definitely right i think it can definitely uh, happen in this generation as well i think the only thing is you need a group of people who are like very um uh, who really stand for it yeah, and, like and push towards it who's willing to take the initiative to yeah make the change yeah. right yeah. now there are so many initiatives going on with this problem not not a problem there actually. is a lot of uh, good things that have come about but i i think it's still the progress is still quite slow because people are still um at different stages of acceptance for like um a lot of these um so called taboo topics taboo topics probably the next, next generation would be like would have more knowledge about it i feel like us as parents uh, and if we change our approach i feel like the next generation would uh, would have a better you know understanding they would not consider yes, this uh, sure. and 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 i guess you don't really need to wait to become parents but rather like even even if you have like colleagues or like peers who are girls and um like for exactly. instance sometimes sometimes like uh, as as a girl sometimes like um i may not have a sanitary napkin and i would ask a friend but it would be really nice if like um and, and like often like we do it very discreetly but it would be nice to live in a society where it's so normalized that like even um even a guy could just be like oh here like um here's one if you want like you know that or like or can i go get you one since since you can't like you know, it would be nice to have be very um open and comfortable with the topic absolutely completely exactly going through sanitary napkins like i have read some facts and news about it like people in south right. india okay india have been using mm-hmm. sand to absorb the blood itself why do they do oh, that oh damn yeah um so, i guess yeah. i guess like it's to do with the resources that are available but like obviously it is um it's, it's really safer and uh i mean you can't like it's not my place to um to like uh, shine because like sometimes these products aren't really available to them can you send i mean like when when you don't have something you will adapt to it and use something to um to like make up for it right so like i guess it's a way of like um adapting to the situation but um i think to answer your question like what can we do about it like I feel like if you um, work towards innovations that can um that can remove like uh, taxes or like provide them for like a very low cost or provide yeah. them free of charge like you know then and and you can like increase the res- like you can provide more resources to to areas where it may be scarce then um then that like, you can allow these people to use safer methods such as sanitary napkins which are called which are colloquially known as pads um or even tampons or menstrual cups which are increasingly popular now namely because they're reusable and they contribute very little to waste absolutely um, so i think i think we can segue into the new topic or the the next section which is sanitary products so i think rathish talked about sand and how people in south southeast asian countries they use sand to kind of absorb the blood or uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend everyone using sand because oh, no, at the I end of the so. day uh it is it's not a very hygienic method oh, I don't and, think um, it's very hygienic <laughs> definitely so very yeah, but 
And I feel yeah, like, but like there's nothing, there's nothing shameful about you know communities who do not have access to anything. I think uh, adapting by using no, it's not about the shameful against the community, but still they're using a very unhygienic method. But to, I think, but I think what it's what Minoli said. Uh, sorry, Ratish, go ahead. I think I cut you off again. <laughs> I'm cutting everyone off today. No, dude. Like actually, man. Like they're using very unhygienic methods to stop the bleeding itself. I think it's what Minoli touched um, upon. Um, it's the lack of resources. So according to who? Yeah. I think according like, to who? Website? I, don't, I don't think um, anyone like particularly wants to do it. But I feel like if you don't have the resources or the income to afford better, I feel like they would have no choice but to succumb to these um, alternative um, yeah, options. practices or alternatives, yeah, as, you, as you put it. Uh, which is, and, and I feel like our part as society is to find ways to help these people. And we Absolutely. can do it through um, ch- uh, charities. One thing you can do it through policymakers, like reducing taxes, like maybe this making is... products for um, a much lower price using um, different materials. And So about sanitary pads, like what are the different types of sanitary pads? Uh, okay, so so I'll I'll, I'll just like brief you on sanitary products in general. So one okay. thing that we a lot of people start with are sanitary napkins, more colloquially known as pads. And now these pads, it's 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 going to be a bit a bit complicated. So bear with me. Um, okay. They come in different sizes, and they come in different thicknesses. So the thickness is to um, accommodate for uh, people with heavy flows and light flows. Now each person, like usually at the beginning of the menstrual cycle, you usually have a heavy flow. So you can use a thicker pad. Um, they're also called overnight pads. Mm-hmm. And when you're reaching the end of menstruation, then you can switch to a thinner pad. Um, so that's just a little uh, intro into the different types of like uh, uh, pads in terms of thickness and size. And then a pad can also have something called wings. So a wing is basically this, basically this adhesive part of the pad where you can secure it properly into your undergarments so that okay. it holds the pad in place. Now, it, it really depends on the person's preference. So if you're, if you're buying... Um, a box of pads for someone that you know it's it's always good to ask them what their preference is you know what size they want what's the thickness they want do they want it with wings do they want it without wings um, because it really comes down to preference at the end of the day so yeah. that's something about pads and uh, then you have um, this entity called uh, tampons I, I'm pretty sure you guys must have heard about it yeah mm-hmm. you can think of a tampon uh, this is going to sound funny, but you can think of it as a plug in a sense. So mm-hmm. it, you basically just insert it into the vaginal opening and then it will swell up to form a little, um, a little spherical ball and uh, it will basically soak up the blood from there. And that's basically what a tampon is. And then you also have uh, this thing called um, a menstrual cup. So a menstrual cup is usually silicon-based um, and you can insert it again through the vagina and then it stays in place and collects all the blood into the cup and then at the end of the day, 
uh, you can just um, take it out or not. So, you don't have to wait till the end of the day. You can, you can like read, like, you know, clean it and like, um, like. Uncomfortable to wear. I feel like tampon is much easier. Um, it, uh, uh, you can't really say that because it, yeah. it it varies from person to person. Again, these are very. It depends on the preference. Like it depends on the person's preference. Um, uh, like some people, like for instance, using a tampon and a menstrual cup, like will take. It, it's a bit difficult because it involves you having personally insert something, um, in, into into your vagina, right? So like that's not something a lot of people are comfortable with. And it definitely does take some practice. And it also, like, in a way, because, uh, because you know, things like um, the hymen and things and social concepts like uh, virginity and stuff, like, they're very um, talked about in South to, like, switch to it. Not for everyone, but, you know, for some people. So it, it comes down to preference, what's easier and what's, what's not. Absolutely. Exactly, man. So, what about the commercials and all? So, when you wear a napkin, okay, whatever, sanitary mm-hmm. napkins and all, so, right. they tend to be active, you know, when they wear itself. So, they pretend to be active and all those commercials and all, they give that ad to us, right? All right. Of, so, does, it, does that actually happen? So, you can be active when you wear the sanitary napkins itself. Oh, you mean you mean can you carry out day-to-day activities? Exactly, exactly. So with that oh, absolutely, talk. no, absolutely, you can carry out day-to-day activities. In fact, you can also engage in sporting activities as well. There's there's a misconception that uh, when you're menstruating, you shouldn't do sports, but um, it's it's not really the case. Like if it's uncomfortable, of course, um, it'll it'll make it difficult. But you okay. can do um, light intensity maybe moderate intensity sporting and it shouldn't be a problem. Um, and I know, I know in fact, a lot of people go um, swimming with tampons. Um, yeah, that's... So it's not, it's not really like, um, there's no hard and fast rule that says you cannot play sports or you cannot carry out day-to-day activities if you're menstruating. That is absolutely not the case. Since we didn't have any basic knowledge about it, so literally, man, as men, we should be, you know, we should have a knowledge about it also, right? Since we have... Absolutely, yeah. And we have a... Yeah, literally, you can see our mom being affected by this. Actually, not affected, but still, she might be going through it. Our sister might be going yeah. through it. Exactly. Mm, Any woman exactly. might be going through it. So, we considering that taboo is, an, is, a, is a very ridiculous thing, actually. I think that's the main takeaway from this episode. So... I mean, takeaway from this episode and the main takeaway from this topic, from us talking about this topic is the fact that we should normalize these sort of conversations. So even if you have like a female friend, you should, you should like freely talk about stuff like this. And exactly. The, exactly. And your female females, exactly. Most of the women also don't want to talk about it. That's the thing. I feel like, they, I feel like they, it's because, uh, because like, you know, society makes such a big deal about it. And because yeah, that's the thing. like, it's like, um, Imagine seeing um, your parents uncomfortable talking about it. You yourself would feel that discomfort looking at pe- other people reacting to the same subject, right? So I feel yeah. like it'll, it'll take some time and effort to get people to be comfortable about talking about it. And then once it's normalized, 
I feel like conversations can like can can happen a lot more freely and a lot more open. Completely, lot more fluid, lot more, more fluidly, like like naturally, instead of like you know worrying about with what a, other people. What, with what a they, good flow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that pun. <laughs> no pun intended. Right, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. All right, so I think we covered um, so about we covered the basic process of men- the menstrual cycle. We talked about the misconceptions the societal issues and we talked about, we touched upon the sanitary products. So in hopefully if Minoli is free, we can do future episodes. We'll love to have you uh, back. Yeah, to exactly. You, um, so knowledgeable and informative. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I learned, I learned a lot and this is, this is something very valuable. It's like, this is something that everybody should know. This is like a crush, like, you know, uh, how should I say this? Oh, this I can't like, uh, take too much credit because like, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was just the very basics that I just touched upon. There's a lot more to it. There's but like, more. It's, yeah, nice, um, that we, it's nice that we touched up on a lot, a lot of different aspects of it. Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you for helping us like, going through this. No, thing. no worries. No worries. Yeah. So hopefully Minol will come back. I think you're doing a research on STIs. Um, uh, in, in, yes, currently, in, in, currently doing it. Like, um, hopefully it will go well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully in future we can maybe touch up on that, or maybe we can talk about the whole hymen thing. Absolutely. The virginity, yeah. the whole science behind the virginity. social concept of virginity. Yes. Social, yeah, that thing. There's so many topics to talk about, and hopefully maybe more members of the coping club can help us in future to make more episodes like this and make it absolutely possible. that would be that would be really cool yeah, i think That'd and be... i think we'd be more than happy to join in for future collaborations yeah absolutely well. yeah a huge thank all these conversations are very interesting also very interesting and educational yeah. education <laughs> more than more than yeah it's very educational and with that said uh, did we miss out anything um Ratish? no yep. no so once again, thank you, Minoli, for being with us, talking with us, and oh no, it was nothing. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was really nice talking with you, lads. Thank you, thank you. So Usura, time to sign off. It's time to sign off. That's it. Signing. Yeah. Right now, signing off. Colon.